Nehemiah chapter 6, when you find that, if you'd stand for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, I appreciate that very much. Help you get your blood flowing a little bit before we get going here. Nehemiah chapter number 6. And look at verse number 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of the enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the door upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein it was written, It is reported among the heathen that Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest a wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore. And let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto them, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahedabiel, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God, within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might, that they might reproach me. My God, think, that, that, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works, and on the prophetess Nodiah, that the rest of the prophet and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month of Lul, in fifty and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, 
and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me, and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to look at some of these verses as we go down through this, this portion of Scripture tonight with this thought, the wall of godly character. The wall of godly character. Let's pray and we'll get started. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, one last time we just ask for your power as we preach and we trust you for that that you'd speak to hearts and you would do in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls what only you can do. We're living, in, we're living in treacherous times, times where the enemy just seems to come at us stronger and stronger. So help us to be aware and help us to be determined that we're going to do the right thing and stay by your side through it all. Bless and help us now as we preach. We pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, and you may be seated. <clears throat> it's really something that when God begins to work on us, use us, help us, move us along, and use us in His work, uh, the devil aims to knock us down. We kind of, he kind of puts a bullseye on our back. I mean, he's looking to destroy us. He's looking to keep us from doing the things that God would have us to do. And so he attempts to find some area in our life where we will, where, where we are vulnerable. Uh, he'll put snares of temptation in our path. If he can't keep us from moving forward, then he looks for ways that will keep us from moving forward. So he puts these snares of temptation in our path at times. It might, be a, it might be a woman or a man. It might be the promise of prosperity. It might be times of trials and times of difficulty. It may be just whatever it takes to undermine our faith and to get this and to ruin our character. To ruin our character. Verse 1 of this chapter, it, it informs us that the work of rebuilding the wall had reached a very critical stage. The wall was complete. All that was remained was for them to hang the gates. So at this point, when Nehemiah was on the brink of a major accomplishment, having all of this done, we read that his enemies launched some of their most vicious attacks against him. And they aimed their arsenal at Nehemiah personally. It became a personal attack on him. They started assaulting his character. They wanted to ruin his character. And, and in this passage, we can see that uh, the old devil used four, strategy, uh, four strategies in his attempt to find a breach in the wall of Nehemiah's character. And the reason that Nehemiah survived all of these attacks, as he did, is that he had built a strong wall of godly character around his life. It was a wall that was built on the solid foundation of a relationship with God. 
The wall of character is either strengthened or weakened every day of our lives. Now get this, the wall of character is even strengthened, either strengthened or weakened every day of our lives by the choices that we make and the paths that we determine to follow. Because every choice matters. Every choice we make. In our Christian walk, day by day, every choice that we make matters. And so the old devil, Satan, he, he launched four separate attacks against the wall of Nehemiah's character. And he attacks uh, those attacks, those very same attacks he will use against us. So it's good for us to know these things. And by observing how Nehemiah responded to each one of these, we, we can learn how to strengthen the walls of our own character and how to prevail against Satan's assaults. Because he is going to come at us as we try to live our life for God. So let's think about these four strategies of, uh, of Satan. He will begin to test our values. Look at verse number two there again. It says, Then Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. So invitations were sent to Nehemiah, asking him to meet with the enemy. He said, come on and meet with us. We'll meet someplace, wherever, wherever. We'll meet in one of these villages, and, and, and we can talk about all of this stuff. So he received four messages. He received four messages. Uh, they were probably stamped private, private, for Nehemiah's eyes only, whatever the case may be. And we know that the first four messages were private because when he finally sent the fifth one, when they finally sent the fifth one, it was read to him publicly. Verse number five there. Uh, then San, sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Now, we're going to do something here. No, no, we're going to do something here. Right? He seems to be ignoring. He seems to be turning down everything. So we're going to just bring this thing out in the open. We know that, we know that the message is pro- proposed a meeting in a neutral territory uh, to resolve the conflicts between Nehemiah and his enemies. Now stay with me on this. Between Nehemiah and his enemies. And seemingly, very seemingly, this is a reasonable request. No, no, some people might say, well, they just wanted to get together and talk things out and make a resolve. I mean, what's the big deal? They were trying to work things out here. I mean, it seems, it seems, it seems reasonable to me, preacher. Well, Nehemiah rejected it every time. Every time. So what were the intentions of the enemy? Well, the intentions of the enemy were to hurt Nehemiah personally. It was a personal attack. No, no, it says right there, they thought to do me mischief. It was a personal attack on him. So how did Nehemiah know? Think with me here. How did Nehemiah know that that was what they were trying to do? Well, it doesn't take much to figure that out. He knew that that's what they were trying to do because the letters, the invitations came from the enemy. The enemy. Our enemy might offer us a lot of desirable things, but his intent is always to do us mischief. When we, when we determine we're going to do right, and we're going to get on the right path, and we're going to do what God would have us to do, when we make 
decisions, when we make decisions, maybe at an altar, maybe at an altar beside our bed, an altar at the church, an altar at camp, whatever the case may be, when we make decisions to do the right thing, to go the right way, to do what God would have us to do, I can guarantee you the enemy will begin to throw desirable things into our path, trying to pull us away from what God wants. And he always, his his intent is always, always to do us mischief. And apparently they were tempting Nehemiah with some form of prophet, if you will. I mean, why would Nehemiah even consider meeting with these men? They were his enemies. So I believe these letters must have been full and must have hinted, 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 that Nehemiah could benefit from the meeting. If you'll just meet with us, this is going to work out good for you, Nehemiah. This is going to be a good thing. I don't know exactly what it said, but apparently they were trying to attract him. They were trying to get him there. So they were probably making some promises that they weren't going to keep. They were probably, they were probably saying, this is going to be- benefit you, Nehemiah, if you'll just meet with us. You know, the old devil, he often tests, he often tests our standards by offering us something we value. Would you do it for this? No, no, we've set standards in our life, and all of a sudden there's these things out there. Well, what about this? And what about this? And would you do it for this? And would you compromise for this? And would you give that up for this? He works that way. He may offer, he may offer pleasure. Too often today, it's freedom. Freedom. Oh, you don't have to do that stuff. You come and do it our way, and you have real freedom in your Christianity then. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. That, he, he, he loves that stuff. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, pleasure, freedom, uh, prosperity, but it always comes, those things always come at the cost of our integrity. <clears throat> Someone has very well said, I love this quote, Someone has very well said, all the devil's apples are poisoned. All of them. He's not going to offer us anything good. His plan is to always, always do us mischief. Always do us mischief. Always to hurt us. And so they tried to overcome Nehemiah's resolve with persistence. It said they sent these four different times. They just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And then at the way of the devil, he will continue to, to, to try. And I can only imagine that with each letter that came in, the promise of profit was increased along the way. They were operating with the theory that every man has his price. You just have to find it. We'll offer him a little more. We'll offer him a little better. We'll, we'll sweeten up the deal. Oh, this looks better. That looks better. Man, I'm telling you, well, where do we give in? But what they did not know was that Nehemiah had already sold out to God. He had already sold out to God. There, no, no, no. There wasn't any question. There wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that was going to tempt him enough to go away from what God would have him to do because he had already sold out to God, to God. You know, the old devil, he attacks our integrity. He's good at that. These allegations were made by the enemy. And this fifth letter, it came as a public announcement that charged three different things. It charged that Nehemiah was planning a rebellion. This guy's just planning a rebellion. 
It charged too that he had plans of declaring himself a king. He's just doing all this, trying to build himself up and make a way for him. He's going to he's going to he's going to rebel and he's going to make himself the king. And thirdly, that he had hired these false prophets to uh, give his quest for the throne uh, a spiritual legitimacy. So what was the aim of the enemy with all of these plans? What was the aim of the enemy here? Well, they wanted to cause people to doubt Nehemiah's motives. Now get this. No, no, no. This is a a big part of the message. They wanted to get other people to doubt Nehemiah's motives. So they were planting lies in people's minds. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing the way the enemy works, and he will work in such a way, if he can't get us to, to uh, if he can't get us, if, if he can't get us to, to sacrifice our own integrity, what he'll try to do is paint bad pictures in other people's minds about us and who we are and why we do what we do and all this. Well, you just do that for that, and you just do that, and you just think you, and just whatever the case may be. He loves to do that. So he was trying, they were trying to get people to doubt Nehemiah's motives, but also but also they were trying to cause people to discuss Nehemiah's motives, to discuss it. What are you talking about, preacher? Gossip. They were trying to get him to gossip, trying to get him to talk about what he was doing. Oh, come on, somewhere along the line, wow, did you hear what that letter said? Were you listening to what that letter said? Man, oh man, do you think any of that stuff is really true? Do you think, you think Nehemiah is really doing any of that stuff? And somebody might say, well, you know what I always say, where there's smoke, there sure is fire. Well, you know, you might be right. You you could be right. You know, I was kind of wondering anyway, what in the world Nehemiah planned to get out of all of this, all that hard work and stuff and what he was building up to and what he wanted out of all this. Come on, gossip about gossip. I'm telling you, it can tear somebody down, can it? It can hurt somebody miserably, can it? Absolutely so. Look, the devil has it figured out that the most used, oh, get this. The devil has it figured out that the most useful member in a church um, is the one in our mouths, our tongue. I said the most useful member in a church is the one in our mouths, that little member, our tongue. If he can set that thing on the fire of hell, as the book of James says, um, he can cause a lot of damage, can't he? Sure he can. Through gossip, whether it be true or false. Well, it's not like a, I, it, I was telling the truth. Look, some things just don't need to be talked about, do they? Gossip tear up a church really quick. And, and besides that, usually most of the time, even if they're declaring the truth, they don't know all the details behind it. And it's just going to hurt. It's not going to help. Gossip doesn't necessarily have to be a lie. It can be the truth. Or maybe through this, through murmuring. Murmuring, griping. No, no, I'm talking about somebody that always finds something that they don't agree with in the church. There's always something along the way. This doesn't suit them. They would have done it better. Through grievances. Grievances, you know. 
No, no, grievousness toward other people, even toward other church members. Somebody looked at you crooked, or somebody didn't shake your hand during a service. Well, I don't know if you can do that anymore. Or, or, or their child was mean to your child, or, or, or things, things are just not ran up to, up to your standard, blah, 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 blah. It hurts. It hurts other people. It hurts the work of God. And I love it here because Nehemiah did really the only thing that he could in this situation. He, he was charged with all of, these, all of these things. And he just denied it. And he went back to work. He called on God. And then he left the matter in the hands of God. Oh, come on. Come on. Read it again. In verse number five. Then Sanballat sent his servant unto me in, in a manner... Uh, uh, the manner fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So he's going to read this letter in front of everybody. Here's what it says. Wherein it was written is reported among the heathen that Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think uh, to rebel, talking about Nehemiah, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets, talking about Nehemiah again, thou hast appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, there's a king in Judah, and now it shall be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then Nehemiah said, then I said unto him, then I sent unto him, saying, there's no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of their own heart. He said, you're a bunch of liars. There's nothing like that going on. You're making all this stuff up. But notice what he said, for, for they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work. They're trying to do everything again they could to stop the, the building of the wall. Their hands shall be strengthened from work, that it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. So here's what he did. No, no, come on. Come on, they were talking bad about him. You did all this different stuff. He had enough integrity to not even know. No, he knew that he hadn't done that. He knew it was nothing but a lie. He, he knew, that, he knew that, that, that what they were saying was not true. So he just said, that's not the way it was. You guys are just making all that up. God, I need your help. Just strengthen our hands, God. We're just going to go right on with the, with the work. And isn't it something? I mean, no devil worked so hard. And, 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 and that didn't seem to work. And so what he did is he tempted, he tempted him to disobey. And he will tempt us to disobey uh, his word and what he has for us. It's just the design of the enemy. And, and so look at verse number 10 there. Look at verse number 10. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahedabel, Beal, who was shut up. And he said, Shemaiah did, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Doesn't this sound real religious? Within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night uh, will they come to slay thee. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. So Nehemiah was encouraged by this fellow Jew. His name was Shemaiah. 
to seek sanctuary in the temple. Now, come on, again, this sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll just go to the temple and you can hide there to be a safe place for you. But there's a problem. The rooms in the temple were off limits to everyone but the priesthood. So if he had gone in there, he'd been going against God to do that, to do. No, no, no. I mean, it was set, the standard was set. And if he had gone in there, he would have been going against God to do that. There was just real deception there. He, he was trying to deceive him. This man, Shemaiah, he posed as a prophet. And he, he, was implying, he was implying that his plan was from God. When in fact, he had been hired by the enemies of Nehemiah. And the enemy was just determined to cause Nehemiah to sin. They were trying everything they could to cause Nehemiah to sin. In verse 12, And law I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sanpalat had hired them. Now watch this, verse 13. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so to go into the temple and sin. And, and that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. Verse 13 is an absolute, absolutely perfect illustration of how peer pressure works. You young people out there, you listen to me. This is a perfect illustration of how peer pressure works. It begins by producing fear. He said that, 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 that I should be afraid. He was hired that I should be afraid. And isn't it something how negative peer pressure works? They, they, that, 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 that you seem to be afraid of, of rejection. You seem to be afraid of other people ridiculing you. You seem to be afraid of being left out. Well, I just can't be with the crowd if I don't do this or don't do that. And you seem to be afraid of just being different, you know, as you live for God, walk with God, live the way that God would have you to do this, this fear of, of just being rejected and being different. And, and the usual response of this fear is to give in. Stay with me here. The usual response is to give in. It says right there. No, it says right there that I should be afraid and do so to give in. To give into it. That I just go ahead and do that. Giving in results, though, in sin. Oh, it says that too. And do so in sin. And let me tell you tonight sin is never harmless, no matter how small. Sin is never harmless. Then at this point in verse number 15, we read that the wall was completed. Now stay with me, stay with me. We're going, we're moving, we're moving. We read that the, the wall was completed. So we would think then at that point, I think, that um, the, the, the thought in our head would be, hey, that's going to end the attacks. The wall's all finished. What are they going to do now? It's all done. But we find that the devil had one more strategy, one more strategy at work. He pressures them and he pressures us at times to compromise, to compromise. Look at verse number 17. We're, we're moving along here. Great. Look, look at verse 17. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah and the letters of Tobiah came unto them for there were many in Judah sworn unto him because he was the son-of-law of Shechaniah, the son of Er, the son of Johanan. Uh, had, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, uh, the son of uh, Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. 
So the approach of the enemies like this, Tobiah, who was one of Nehemiah's enemies, had made alliance with some of these influential Jews within the city. And he did that with great hopes that through them he could win Nehemiah's favor. That, man, I'll make myself look good, and then I can win Nehemiah's favor. We're going to get this done. And so acceptance was sought by the enemy. And the whole point of this course of action was to find that acceptance for Tobiah within the city of Jerusalem. Let me tell you one thing you need to watch out for. You need to watch out for somebody that seems like they fit in as a good Christian, but then they tend to want you to do things that Christians shouldn't do. They kind of accepted by everybody around them, but then before long, things are beginning to show forth that are not Christ-like. See, the greatest enemy in the church is not the one that is out there in the world, but what we bring into the church from the world. It's one of our greatest enemies. Why would you say that, preacher? Well, because culture is never neutral. It's never neutral. No, 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 no. Culture either moves us toward God or it moves us away from God. So, compromising, please get this, compromising relationships are a simple way of undermining Christianity by means of infiltration. No, no, get this, get this, please, you young people, please get this. Compromising relationships are a simple way of undermining Christianity by means of infiltration. Instead of confronting culture with our faith, we seem to be assimilating culture into our faith until we're reaching the point that Christianity has all but lost its biblical identity. The world seems to be infiltrating the church, I guess is an easy way to put that. That before long, we're taking on the characteristics of the world instead of doing our very best to just have the character and in, uh, integrity to live above the world the way that God intends for us to. Um, we have a form of faith that is at odds with the Bible from which it comes. I was talking to someone about this just recently. Um, well, even this morning in the, in the message. We make God into who we want Him to be. And we decide what is best for us according to how we feel. And according, really according somewhat by the way that the world is going. Because we're kind of following it. Oh, we're not right up. We're not right down with it. But it just seems like as the world just goes lower and lower, 
Instead of Christians keeping the bar up here, we just seem to kind of be sliding right along with it. And I'm thankful for good Bible-believing, preaching, teaching churches such as ours and a church that tries to live a sanctified life. I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. But you would have to agree with me. I do believe you'd have to agree with me that there are churches out there that if you walk into them, you can't tell much difference between the world and the people that are in that church. By the way they dress, by the music they listen to, by the entertainment they take in, I could go on with this list. The devil's done his work well. But you have to understand that he is trying to get all of us and he, he'll work real hard to even get into a church such as ours. He'll work hard. And he does that, please stay with me here, he does that by dealing with us as individuals, just like they were attacking Nehemiah and trying to get him to give in and ruin his character. The old enemy, he's still trying to get us one by one. And if he can get one, he'll get another. And then he'll get another one. And then he'll get another one. Very often, those are four very surefire fire ways to ruin a man's character. The things we just talked about. But it didn't work on Nehemiah. Oh, how come, preacher? Well, let's think about that for just a minute. Come on, we'll finish up. But let's think about that for just a minute. Why Nehemiah didn't fall. A few things right there. You might want to write these down. Look at verse number three. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, Nehemiah sent messengers back to his enemies, saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it? I love it. And come down to you. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Why should I leave this to come to you? Come on, that's not an ugly thing. It's just like, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm up here doing God's work. Why in the world would I want to go down there? Why would I want to get involved in something like that? No, he refused. No, no, number one, he refused to be distracted. He refused. Performing the will of God was his number one priority. I'm telling you, young and old alike, we need to be on guard against those things that will pull us away from God's will, that will pull us away from God's work, that will pull us away from doing what God would have us to do. But number two, he was dependent upon God. Look at verse number nine again, uh, the last part. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. He was dependent upon God. Whatever the nature of the work, whether building a home, uh, whether performing a ministry, it cannot be done successfully apart from dependency upon God. I said it'll never be done successfully. It'll never be done the way that God intends for it to be done apart from God. He depended upon God. His dependency was upon God and not man. No, no, no. He, he, and, 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 and number three, I'm trying to hurry. To, and number three, he was very discerning. Look at verse number 12 there. And lo, I, per I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced 
this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He said, I perceived. He was discerning. He was discerning. When it comes to sin, too often the package it comes in fools us. I pray a lot for wisdom and I pray a lot for discernment. I don't want to be fooled by the enemy. I perceived. Get this, young and old alike, please get this. Satan always makes sin appealing. It always, he always makes sin appealing. Come on, he, he's not going to try to tempt us with something that looks ugly and nasty. No, no, no. He always makes it appealing. And we need to be uh, discerning about the influences, please listen to me, about the influences of our culture, of our culture. Ask ourselves some questions, questions like, is it promoting purity? Questions like, is it hindering, would this be hindering my spiritual growth? Okay, here's a good one. Uh, Does it go against the principles of Scripture? Or how about this one? Would Jesus partake of this? Would he be a partaker in something like this? Or, or, Or this kind of question. Does it compromise, please get this, does it compromise my identity as a Christian? Can I do this and still look like I am a Christian? Those are all good questions to ask because I guarantee you the devil can blind us. The devil will make things look good. It'll make, he'll, he can make things look like, man, that's what I want. That's where I want to go. That's how I want to be. He can do all of that. And so we have to, we have to make sure that, that it lines up with what God has for us. And we need that Christian character, that good character. During World War II, back when uh, England was really fighting for its very existence, um, and they were seemingly alone, Winston Churchill, he got up in front of a large audience at that time, and These words were, were echoed through the auditorium from him. Here's what he said. Get this. No, no, get this. Here's what he said. Never give in. Well, preacher, that's all. That's, that's pretty simple. Um, I'd say it'd be easy to memorize. No, here's what he said. Never give in. No, he went on. And this, here's what he said. Never, 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 never give in. That's a pretty good speech. No, that's a speech that I would give to the members of Riverside Baptist Church and to any other born-again child of God that's trying hard to live for the Lord. Never 
Never, 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 never give in. The enemy's after you. And he'll get everybody that he can. He'll take down everyone that he can. He's not a respecter of persons. That has to be, I'm done. That has to be our attitude where our character is concerned. With every choice we make, we need to realize that we are building up or we are breaking down our wall of character. With every choice we make, we need to realize we are either building up or we are breaking down our wall of character. A solid wall of godly character will help us to withstand the attacks of the devil and to stay focused on the work that God has given us to do. And He has given us a work to do. <clears throat> in, the days in, in the day and time that we live in, we need to be determined to not let the enemy get us. Because he'll hang shiny stuff in front of us to try to attract us away from God. And that's only going to be done as we continue to develop godly character. A character that will say, no way will I partake of that. No way will I go there. No way will I say that. No way will I look at that. No way will I partake of that. We have to have that wall of godly character. That willingness to know what God wants and to have the wherewithal to say, I'm doing a great work. So that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Don't let the enemy get you. It's just not worth it. God has a better plan. Let's take heed to how Nehemiah handled these things. And determine we're going to stay on track. Now, Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the warning it gives us. We're very thankful that you're always there for us to guide us and direct us. But we also are aware that we have an enemy and that he works hard to get us off track and that he will use anything and everything or anyone that he can to get us off track. So I pray, dear God, that we would have the wherewithal, that determination, that living for you is our number one priority, that a godly character will be our number one priority, that we'll have discernment, 
Lord, that, that we'll have that determination that no matter what the enemy may throw in front of us, we're not going to let him get us off track. I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts, Lord. I just pray that your will would be done in all of this. Help us, Lord, to make commitments to stay strong and stay close to you. We pray. Thank you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have Brother Bronner play for just a moment.